0: to Pink Door Culture Club, your eclectic entertainment guide. My name is Jeremiah Burns and this week we're listening to the music of a group I read described as In Excess meets Robert Palmer with a dash of Christopher Scase. It's the 2021 album Divine Intervention by the Australian duo known as Client Liaison. If you're not familiar with Client Liaison, uh, they're led by Monty Morgan and Harvey Miller from Melbourne, two guys from super successful families who met at an elite private school and have devoted their musical careers so far to celebrating the 1980s. Remember, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and share. Feel free to be in touch with me via the Pink Door Culture Club Facebook page Or you can email me at pinkdoorcultureclub at gmail.com. So let's get into it. Divine Intervention by Client Liaison. The first segment of Pink Door Culture Club is called Spellbound, where we think about what makes this album so interesting and engaging. And really there's two big things I wanted to call out here, and one is the arrangements. The um, Thinking about the arrangements, it's really the, the range of sounds and instruments that Client Liaison are layering up uh, across the tracks on this album. You know, you're hearing regular drums and regular bass, but a lot of electronic drums and synth bass and guitar, but also panpipes on a track like Champagne Affection, Uh, hand claps, finger snaps. I can even hear some chimes in there. There's a bunch of samples kind of setting the scene and the vibe at the start and on a couple of other tracks, Um, and even some sound effects like a lion roaring from time to time on cold to touch. Uh, The other thing in the arrangement is is not just the, the range of sounds and instruments they're using, but obviously the use of those instruments, particularly you hear these sort of recurring themes um, an example would be guitar chanking, like the the little funky stabs that they do on the guitar on, on almost every track. Not not every track, but almost every track. You you hear that on a track like The Real Thing or The Beat Supreme, and it really reminds me of In Excess on a track like Need You Tonight or uh, Daft Punk as they kind of do their retro celebration on a track like Get Lucky. And then that's all paired with great vocals from Monty Morgan and he he can kind of range from High Energy um, on like Club Called Heaven or Unloaded, some of those tracks are almost just like straight dance tracks to very melancholic kind of ballads like Eulogy for the the Living Um, and then there's other songs where he'll break into like an 80s rap or spoken word piece like on Strictly Business he has this great Um, you know, really tongue-in-cheek rap that he does. All of it's, like, reminiscent of Wham or George Michael as a a solo artist or the Pet Shop Boys um, when you go and listen to something like West End Girls. And overall, like, it just makes for really fun music. Like, they're having a great time. They're not taking themselves too seriously. They're helping you have fun. And I reckon a great example, like if you want the best example on on the album, like a track like Intervention to me musically has got so many great elements and they they bring them together so well on that track. A second thing I think that makes this album really interesting is their world building. I mean I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago with Janelle Monáe on episode two, uh, but client liaison also go to a lot of trouble to build their world. So with Janelle Monae, she had that kind of dark dy- dystopia, you know, that science fiction world of loss and oppression, and she kind of explored that across um, a couple of records. Whereas for client liaison, the world they've built up is like a really fun world, It's super colourful. It's all about uh, corporate excess. And, and so you sort of see that, you hear that in the music, like all the, Celebration of the 80s in the way that they arrange their music. You hear it in the content of the lyrics. So, the lyrics are often focused on like the exhilaration of corporate life, the pressures of work, the cost of the career, but also like the pleasures of travel, um, the, the pleasures of luxury. And then they'll like explicitly reference bands like In Excess or Ice House as a way of building up the, the world. And and then they'll do other things like on previous on their previous album, they had a song where they worked uh, with Tina Arena and they collaborated with her and they cite Tina Arena and John Farnham as like two huge influences on their <laughs> on their work, um, and all of that flows through in their videos. So they put a lot of work into their videos. They're clearly not short of cash. Um, they're from really successful families, like I mentioned, and so. Um, if you go back and look at the video for Foreign Affair, they've got like, um, you know, like a, a jumbo jet, an ANSET jumbo jet, and there's references to Foster's, uh, and it's, it's the song where they're singing with Tina Arena as well. They at one stage launched their own fashion line, which was a huge celebration of Australiana. And I reckon if you want the best example of the kind of world they're building then watch the strictly business video that is a super fun song and a super fun video where it just captures kind of everything that they're trying to do like um just making so much fun of that time but celebrating it and, and enjoying it at, at the same time <music> The second segment of Pink Door Culture Club is called Rear Window and the idea is to look more closely and think more deeply about the meaning of divine intervention. One of the things that the album made me think about is the rise of retro, um, something I guess we're seeing across lots of different fields you know, the way in which something that was once a source of embarrassment or frustration becomes a source of enjoyable nostalgia. I had a discussion at work today with people about the internet and, you know, what was it, remember what it was like back in the days of dial-up and how you couldn't make a phone call at the same time. And it was a really enjoyable discussion, you know, kind of reminiscing on the early days of the internet. I had another discussion recently with people when we were talking through all the different modes of listening to music that we had experienced in our life, the you know vinyl to cassette tapes to CDs and, you know, mini discs and how kids these days wouldn't appreciate those things or understand those things. But it's interesting to see Sony reissuing the Walkman in a new format um, as a digital music player but, you know, really aimed at that retro market. And you see it, I think, in popular culture with a TV show like Stranger Things, which just borrows and steals from all sorts of 80s TV shows and movies and has been super successful. You see it in fashion, things that were, like, so embarrassing in the early 2000s are making a a big comeback as the 80s and 90s get re-embraced. And I guess it takes some distance. Like, there's this sense of, like, I can't celebrate the immediate generation that's just gone. Like I need a little bit of time and space to be able to look back on that fondly and reminisce about it. And it made me wonder whether, especially for these guys and and maybe for others, it's like connected also to your parents' world as a source of interest and intrigue. So maybe in the same way that your Parents can be like a source of embarrassment at a certain age like later on they become a source of interest or intrigue and you're interested to know like what were you listening to when you were growing up and did you see that band live and so perhaps there's something there about what makes retro so appealing and maybe another thing that makes it so appealing is just the way we idealize it as well like it you know. We think of it as a simpler time, a better time, where there weren't any of the problems we face today. I saw a sort of lengthy Facebook post about this recently where people were saying, oh, like, life was so much better than when the internet came in, and, like, I feel sorry for children these days. It was definitely a better time back then, and it's interesting to reflect on. Like, I feel like the access to information and entertainment now like you know it's a cliche everyone knows this right like it's so much better and the convenience is so much better like but on the other hand things like attention spans and friendship does does actually seem to have been corroded or changed in some way by the most recent wave of technology but but then i also you know remember watching tv shows where people were trying to redesign their houses to be in a certain style like the 1940s and they went and spoke to someone who lived in the 1940s and she was like, I don't know why you're trying to recreate the 1940s, it was terrible like why are you trying to go back to then like aesthetically you might like some of it but let me tell you, I was there, it wasn't that great <laughs> um, and I, Alain de Botton who kind of you know writes popular philosophy talks about how he's really glad that he lives right now and he kind of points to especially things like progress in medical research and medical treatment and sanitation and says like there's so many good things about being alive now like we don't have to try and re-enter the past so I think this album made me think about yeah why why are we so attracted to retro what what is it that we like about that and why what prompts that what benefit does it give us to to reflect on those things, and then you know what are what are the limitations of that or um you know is is there some way in which we're idealizing things wrongly a second thing this this album made me think about was the concept of celebrating corporate Australia, like celebrating Australia just in general, but also particularly these guys are celebrating corporate australia. Monty Morgan, like early on when he made his first one of his first um, sort of recordings was spurred into action by his frustration about Australian cultural cringe. And it did make me think like we could, you know, definitely be more positive and less sarcastic and cutting and cynical about ourselves as a, as a country. Again, it's like a massive cliche. We've been talking about this for decades. It's not a new thought, but we seem comfortable with ourselves as a sporting powerhouse, like we know we're good at cricket and swimming and like we have been good at, or, you know, even in recent times we've been good at tennis. We, like it feels like we're, we're kind of getting there at times in recognising that we're a cultural powerhouse, like Kate Blanchett's out there doing it, Kid Leroy's out there doing it, along with a host of others. But New Zealand seem like a great example or some of the Scandinavian countries seem like great examples of film industries that have just got themselves way better organised and, you know, we're punching above our weight on some fronts in the film industry, but, yeah, it just feels like for the size of country that New Zealand is, they've really worked out how to play big time on the film stage. But for, for, for client liaison, I think it poses the question like, do we think of ourselves and are we a business and corporate powerhouse you know at the time that these guys are focused on a lot of business was about corporate crooks like alan bond and christopher Scase. i think we're kind of aware and well either comfortable or deeply uncomfortable with our success in mining um through bhp and and other companies it's interesting to see twiggy forest andrew forest with fortescue try and be a different kind of CEO in some in some areas. Like he's completed a PhD in marine science and is like really passionate about marine science. So it's interesting to see a different kind of um, CEO there who's also making huge donations to various causes that he cares about. And perhaps the poster boy for this is Mike Cannon-Brooks from Atlassian who's seems like really determined to, to be successful and stay in Australia, but is keen to be talking openly about how that can be a really frustrating experience uh, compared to doing business in, uh, in the US. So, yeah, I, I guess I just thought, like, you know, we can have trouble celebrating our, ourselves as Australians, and it, it seems particularly when it comes to business and corporate success, but client liaison, I guess their parents lived that, they observed that and they're kind of saying, hey, there's some good stuff here. We should be ambitious and recognise recognize the good stuff and celebrate the good stuff. So I thought that was interesting and it made me think about that. But a third thing in contrast to that is that client liaison aren't completely positive about corporate culture or success or wealth. And I guess partly they they recognise it involves sacrificing things that matter more then the success or the wealth. Like, I'm not a big fan of reading out song lyrics, but these are great lines from the start of the track, Eulogy for the Living. We learnt from our fathers, being a man meant never being home. And we learnt from our mothers, put on a smile, don't let the sadness show. We keep searching for a meaning just to find we don't believe it. Like that—that that is a pretty depressing picture of masculinity and femininity, you know, as as perhaps they observed it or or experienced it, or as sometimes goes with or has gone with you know corporate success and and wealth. There's a real absence there of parents, either like literally not there or um emotionally not there i think that's interesting to to explore that idea or think about that idea that okay so the the dads aren't home and the mums are home but not emotionally available that that was part of the cost was part of the cost sometimes of the success that these guys are talking about and thinking about again they talk about how this type of success doesn't satisfy so they talk in prisoners of the high life and say, need the hit, need the rush. So you're faking keeping this up. But the more you make, the more you got to lose. If you win, you're a winner. So take your hustle to the limit, everything within your reach, but you still want more prisoners of the high life. So, again, I reckon as much as these guys are mucking around, and they, they definitely are mucking around, it's, a lot of this is tongue-in-cheek, there does seem to be some real experience and pain in the mix. So, you know, like I said, loved ones who are absent or, or, in this case, with prisoners of the high life, like experience or observation of being surrounded by a world that's constantly striving but is never satisfied. And it reminded me of some ancient words from the book of Ecclesiastes, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income this too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of a labourer is sweet, whether they eat little or much, but as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. And I don't know about you, but like, even though I know this is true, like I know it's true, I hear it's true, I observe that it's true, I experience that it's true, I still think, no, no, I just need a little bit more or or a lot more. Like those people were doing it wrong. Like I I will do it right. I'm going to do it differently. I just need a bit more and then I'll be happy. (laughs) There's There's something unique about the way I'm going to experience that. But, you know, these guys like if you want to talk about being privileged these guys come from massively privileged households went to geelong grammar and you know as they're celebrating all of the good stuff that goes with the corporate life and having fun with it they're also saying hey there's like a cost there's a real cost and it doesn't satisfy um so there's some yeah there's some interesting wisdom and sad reflections in there as well as all the fun The final segment of Pink Door Culture Club is called The Man Who Knew Too Much, where I just list off some other interesting trivia that I have uncovered. And this week, I'm pretty much reading to you from the first few paragraphs of Wikipedia. <laughs> so you can cross-check You can cross-check there and whether all of what's written there is true. Um, you, can, you can let me know if I'm wrong. But uh, it's interesting that Monty Morgan, who's the singer is the son of Gary Morgan, who's the executive chair of Roy Morgan Research. So when you hear on the news about what Roy Morgan Research discovered, there's a family connection back to client liaison. In fact, second interesting fact, client liaison based themselves in a Collins Street office owned by Roy Morgan Research. (laughs) <laughs> so when I told you before, they they're not short of cash, and they've come from a privileged background. You know, these guys are not starting a band in a garage or a dirty old bedroom. They're based in a Collins Street office, corporate office, which I guess you know helps them live the dream and 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 live the the image of of the successful corporate life. On the other hand, Harvey Miller, who's the the, the musician and producer involved in client liaison is the son of filmmaker George Miller, who directed the man from snowy river. And he was the producer of babe. One of my favorite, favorite films. So yeah, there's definitely a like creative force there in his background, and probably explains the quality of some of their videos. Like perhaps that's just their friends. Um, But there's definitely a filmmaker background in in, uh, Harvey Miller's family. And lastly, Harvey Miller often lists himself as Harvey Miller AO, as in Order of Australia. Apparently he likes to do that. Whenever he signs his name, whenever he can, he says, yep, that's fully self-appointed. I'm a self-appointed Order of Australia. And he kind of hopes that like, if he just does that for 10 years, it'll just become this self-fulfilling thing where people are like, yeah, yeah, he he has an order of Australia. <laughs> I just, I, I love that because I have met and observed people who grow, go to great lengths to get a recognition like like that. And, you know, that's a good thing and an important thing on one level, but it, it's funny to me that he's coming out of that world and just going, I'm just claiming it. I, I'm, I'm self-appointing myself. I'm, I'm appointing myself and Order of Australia, and it's just going to come true. <laughs> okay, so we're at the end of this episode of Pink Door Culture Club. Remember that I'm going to publish or have published the season's recommendations ahead of time, so you can follow along. You can check them out at pinkdoorcultureclub.com or on the Pink Door Culture Club Facebook page. You can be in touch with me via that Facebook page or you can email me at pinkdoorcultureclub@gmail. at gmail.com.